Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Bethany Gomez. She is Managing Director and Co-Founder at Brightfield Group. We're going to talk about the cannabis industry. We're going to talk about analytics. We're going to talk about market research and really what do we know? What do we not know? What are we seeing in the world of cannabis? And how do we really look at it as a market and how we can gain insights and understanding on some of the trends and some of the uh, things that are going on, dynamics of the market? What does it tell us about today? And, you know, maybe a little bit of what it will tell us about tomorrow and where we're going in the market. So with all that, Bethany, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Before you kind of dive into the research and the work that you're doing in the cannabis space today, give us a little background. How did you get into market research? How did you get into cannabis? What's the story? Absolutely. So I've been in, um, um, my specialty has really been in emerging market market research. And that's really where I've spent, you know, a great deal of my career as someone who loves to understand both kind of products and, you know, the commercial side of things, but also really that quantitative and consumer understanding side. Market research was always a really good 
fit. You know, my background prior to helping start this company was with a company called Euromonitor International, where I managed a lot of our syndicated operations in um, syndicated research in um, Mexico and Latin America, where my team would um, get to dig into some really interesting markets of packaged foods, drinks, alcohol, tobacco, and, you know, health and wellness, et cetera. And it really helped to provide that lens of how do our markets performing, how are markets shaping, and how does the consumer impact the drive of those, the development and success of those markets in an area where things are very fragmented. They're very fast moving. A lot of it is heavily influenced by informal markets and, you know, informal um, retail channels and very differing consumer segments. And that level of challenge to really understand and measure that which is really difficult to measure was something that I've always been really passionate about. So fast forward into the the cannabis space. Cannabis, you know, we first launched Brightfield Group back in 2015. And while cannabis is still very much an emerging market, it was a very, very emerging market at the time. Very fragmented. A handful of states had legalized adult use. Mostly, you know, the industry was mostly dominated by very small players, you know, very um, small dispensaries. Their chains were were barely a concept, um, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time. But, you know, we really found that our clients were really looking to understand that consumer, understand how to get into the minds of the, the consumer. And a lot of them were really trying to build their strategies, you know, and to take advantage of this first mover advantage, but they really needed to be able to solidify a positioning with consumers. And there were a lot of really difficult assumptions to make when the market that you're trying to build a long-term stake in hasn't really existed before. So how do you understand that consumer? How do you understand that 360-degree view of the market? Um, So when we first launched Brightfield, you know, we took to heart kind of what's at the core of our methodology here is, you know, that with our core ethos, it's really with a market that is this kind of fragmented and fast moving and nuanced, there's never going to be one magical data source that's going to give you the answer to all of your questions. So at Brightfield, we've always looked to try to pull in as many different data sources as possible, be able to kind of understand things holistically and be able to triangulate our data sources. So we leverage everything from consumer surveys with kind of the utmost rigor applied to the methodology there. We also leverage social listening really extensively to be able to harness what can consumers are talking about, you know, out in the wild. We couple this with digital menu audits. We couple this with Mm -hmm. the analysis that our in-house analyst team of subject matter experts is able to pull from all of, you know, the publicly available data sources and pull this all into a nice 360 degree view of the market and triangulate it. So that's kind of been our background and approach there. We really, where we really differentiate as a, as a company is we are very consumer focused. We look at that the market through the the lens of the the consumer and help to really represent that consumer for our clients' strategic planning, marketing, product develop, and you know long term planning there. Yeah. So two kind of high level questions here. One is, give us a little insight on how, as an emerging market, how is cannabis potentially different than other emerging markets? Like when you when you kind of look at Generally, you know, emerging markets have some kind of challenges and trends. What are the things that are unique cannabis as an emerging market that you had to kind of grapple with from a um, kind of data collection and analysis point of view? Absolutely. Well, from one one side of things, 
cannabis is, it's a brand new, you know, emerging legal industry. And a lot of folks are coming in and looking at this as a starting point from a fresh, a fresh slate and mm-hmm. looking at a lot of parallels to adjacent categories and thinking about how this is may align with alcohol. What kind of that future penetration may look like and yeah. thinking about all of the new users that are going to come into the category and how that's the future of the industry. On the other hand, the reason why this market is so successful is that it isn't starting from scratch. You know, there is a very large percentage of Americans that have been using cannabis consistently for a long period of time. And, you know, the goal is really to transition those that cannabis consumption away from the legacy or illicit markets into, you know, legal channels. And those two kind of divergent divergent consumer segments have been fairly challenging for a lot of companies to grapple with of how do I strategically plan and how do I strategically play to both or which one do I focus on or how do I integrate these into um, my strategy in a way that's going to maximize, you know, the opportunity. And we see that coming through in the, the data every day. Some companies have skewed too far to one direction to try to to sanitize cannabis, make it more, you know, drop the stigma, um, make it more appealing to a lot of the consumers that would never have purchased, you know, through illicit channels or would, uh, were certainly not purchasing 12, 24, you know, months prior there, um, appealing to that new emerging consumer. You know, on the other hand, a lot of those consumers are very difficult and costly to acquire and they don't necessarily consume as much. You know, meanwhile, we have this very large base of consumers that built in consumers that use heavily, they use frequently more than 66% of American consumers, um, cannabis consumers today are using at least daily. And this is a very large percentage 14% of Americans are using cannabis have reported purchasing cannabis in the last three months. So this is a, a very large base um, of heavy users that companies that can most effectively target those consumers um, with messaging, with positioning, with framework that is very, comes off as authentic, are seeing a great deal of success, even in crowded markets. And we see this with brands like Cookies or Jungle Boys and, um, you know, many of these kind of newer emerging brands that have kind of come up very quickly to give some of the MSOs a, a run for their money. Yeah. And in terms of being able to collect some of this information, obviously, you know, the the sort of the data sources, the sort of legality issues. Tell me a little bit about how you're able to kind of capture kind of the legal side, the illicit side. Like what's the what are some of the techniques or, or ways in which you're kind of pulling? You mentioned some of the things around social listening and stuff. But from a cannabis point of view, what are the main sources given the way information shows up in the cannabis market? Absolutely. So a key data source that we leverage at Brightfield is we conduct quarterly surveys on um, U.S. cannabis consumers. And, you know, the way that we acquire data, we are not starting from a dispensary and kind of working down from there or starting from kind of a a client list or pool of, of people who are already shopping through legal channels. Instead, we start from a general population audience that is census balanced on um, age, gender, geography, using the the best best practices in market research, you know, methodology there and kind of screening down into who is that cannabis consumer. And we find, you know, we have have 
developed strong techniques for being able to ask sensitive questions and be able to, you know, to elicit very, you know, authentic results to, to sensitive questions. But what we're finding, what we're left with then is kind of an authentic view of who that, you know, cannabis consumer is, not just the one that's walking through a dispensary door, but who that cannabis consumer is and how they're shopping both through legal channels, um, as well as marrying that in or um, comparing that in with more illicit market consumption. No. So tell us what some of the, you, you mentioned you've been doing this for some time now, 2015, kind of a, a starting point. What were some of the things early that you were measuring or looking at, questions you were trying to answer with data? Give us a little sense of how the beginnings of this were focused or what were the kind of the topics and the questions on people's minds? Sure. So we initially started with just sizing the market and kind of understanding and getting some of that foundational work done of sizing the market, how how large the market is in each key, key area, product types. But we really started hearing very early on kind of this need to really understand and be able to find consumers. And, you know, at the time, it was very challenging to be able to um, identify consumers that of categories that were barely in existence yet. And this is where, you know, we had really developed some strong mixed methodology approaches to our consumer insights. Um, We brought on our head of our VP of product, Jen Krieger, who came over from a, um, a think tank at UPenn that had been really working with the integration of surveys with social media integration those sources directly that allowed us to be able to really use the social media presence or kind of the posts that people are making in their own words to be able to predict, you know, future behaviors um, in there as well and help to kind of develop some of those kind of more forward-looking structures. So by leveraging some of these methodologies that had been used in academia, it allowed us to be able to provide kind of a really unprecedented amount of depth of insight about the consumers um, that people were looking to to target, which provided um, some more depth as well as kind of qualitative and quantitative understanding of these very new, challenging, difficult-to-reach consumers. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. Can you give us an example of like what you would see in kind of social listening that you could then turn into a predictive model or predictive, a prediction on, on a, a future activity? Sure. So there's a couple different angles. On the one side, we, you know, really had looked to understand more about particular language behaviors that allowed us to um, predict persona segments. And the certain language behaviors through social listening were able to be more predictive in nature. You can develop what's called a predictive lexicon um, to be able to understand the, the specific language patterns. And if someone marry that in with survey responses and with a large enough sample size, you're able to essentially be able to fill in the gaps on any, you know, any specific consumers. So that helped to be able to understand you know, more of these personality profiles and motivators about key consumers. So if we're looking at, if we have a client that is, you know, a marketer in, you know, the cannabis space, and they're trying to understand how they need to speak to or position products for a concentrates user in um, California, um, we can leverage kind of the depth of data that we're able to understand to predict personality profiles and whether this person is a very thrifty in nature or a very luxurious spender, whether this person is really going to respond better to messaging around community 
or achievement or reward or things like that. So even with kind of very small marketing budgets and even with kind of a dearth of data available in very small emerging categories, we were able to provide kind of a a very deep level of insights around those consumers. And then likewise, you can take a look at a lot of those personality profiles and persona segments and really understand the likely future behavior of other consumers. So you know that others that are like this person are then going to be able to more likely to purchase um, X, Y, and Z products. So that can be a great way if you're launching into a new market that where there isn't existing purchase of, you know, gummies or, um, you know, or vapes or X, Y, and Z products that may not be um, available on market, you can be able to understand who those, who is likely to be your, you know, your target consumer. So you're not Mm -hmm. flying blind at launch. Yeah. So you can use that data to target your marketing and messaging, hopefully juice your return on your marketing investments and actually get, get more sales that way. Yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the research you've been doing more recently. What are the topics, questions? I mean, how, I guess, how have kind of, how has the market evolved and how does that change what you're looking at or how you're looking at it? Give us some more recent examples. Absolutely. So over the past four years, we've been doing quarterly consumer insights surveys to really get down into the minds of the cannabis consumer, understand more about their attitudes, their usage, their product types, um, occasions of consumption, et cetera. And that gave us a really fantastic view of kind of that, how the face of the cannabis consumer has been shifting and evolving over time. But we found that as the market, as our, our clients have gotten larger, the industry has started to consolidate and we've seen larger and larger brands evolve that there was really a need for um, our clients to be able to really see not only how the, the face of the cannabis consumer overall is shifting, but how well am I resonating with that core consumer? Who am I reaching? How do I stack up with my competition and really be able to apply a data-driven toolkit to understanding and allocating marketing budget? Budgets. Um, so we first rolled out brand health tracking, our brand health tracking solution in on a syndicated basis in markets that were more consolidated than what than what the US market is right now. Um, yeah. you know, initially targeting the, the US CBD market, the the Canadian cannabis market as well, and have had um, syndicated brand health trackers launched within those markets over the past two years. We've also been working with a lot of the top MSOs in the U.S. on a customized basis to provide this level of brand health tracking to really understand awareness, purchasing, um, consideration, loyalty amongst um, consumers of each brand that's um, within the market and understand how they're ranking and how, what problems those um, they're really solving for when they're looking at, you know, their marketing budget, gauging that consumer reaction to their products, um, gauging that customer feedback and ranking themselves, you know, against the competition. So we had been doing this for a, um, from a, a customized basis for several years. We are now very excited to um, roll this out on a syndicated basis in the U.S. in both the retail space as well as the product space. So, for example, um, with our new launches, we are now able to zoom in on the state of Florida, for example, and um, be able to show how each individual dispensary chain, you know, whether it's Cureleaf or Trueleaf or or even kind of up and coming brands like Jungle Boys are able to how well they're getting their message out um, in front of the um, consumers 
as well as how many of those consumers are going on to that have heard of those brands are going on to consider shopping there, to go on to actually purchase there. Those that purchase there, how many are going to um, repeat purchase there? Um, mm-hmm. This type of data allows our clients to really be able to strategically look at their marketing budgets and say, okay, I have an awareness problem. I want to put my money into top of the funnel advertising, or my awareness is very high, but my message just isn't landing. I'm not converting into consideration. I need to adjust my messaging, or I may be losing customers at the register. I may need to work on kind of that conversion. How do we physically get people in the door? How do we physically get people to, to spend once they're in? Or you know, how do we get people to come back? They're trying us once, but we see a great deal of attrition. So why? Why are they leaving and where are they going also to really understand you know how they're measuring up against the competition in areas like you know their retail experience or by tender education or you know other key areas that are really um, helping to drive that decision making and what what is helping to make these um, dispensaries their favorite or kind of drive that um, that decision making there so we're very excited to to roll this out you know on a syndicated basis um, nationwide first on the retail environment and then in Q4 of uh, 2022 here. So coming up um, shortly, our product brand health tracker that will allow for the the same level of insights, but at kind of the, the category and state level. So if you want to understand what's happening with gummies, who's winning the gummies, yeah. the gummies <laughs> battle in the hearts and minds of consumers in, you know, California or Florida or Illinois and et cetera, you know, really around kind of all of the, the key markets nationwide, that data will help to really understand and investigate that, that consumer perception. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit about the, um, kind of the challenge that work in the U.S. I mean, some of these states are a more mature market than, than other states. You know, some of them have been around for a while. You know, some of them are just coming into play. You know, they have very different legal structures, very different kind of industry structures, you know, a number of license holders, vertically integrated, not vertically integrated. How do you kind of, I guess, do you need to kind of adjust what you do and how you do it based on these differences? Or how do you give, give us a sense of how your work shifts as you move between these states with different structures? Yeah, it's really important to have kind of that industry level of context and understanding about what what's happening in each market so that we can interpret the results, you know, successfully for clients as well as kind of steer the research design to ensure that that matches with what is logical in each area. In some markets, we've been hesitant to release a product brand health tracker if all of the products within the dispensary have to be sold by the same brand, right? (laughs) That may be less logical of a place to go for. We also have to be really cognizant about the the purchase funnel and how many brands are included in different states. Because in California, you may need 40 brands in a certain category or 30 brands in a certain category. And that same category in New Jersey may have one brand, right? Yeah. so, you know, really kind of understanding kind of that level of grouping and, you know, the the sample sizes, the methodology that's required to, you know, field and fill to a, you know, a sufficient sample size has required a great deal of nuance, work and understanding by our incredible research team here. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what are some of the insights you're seeing? I mean, as you've done the research, you've collected the data, you start to analyze it, anything interesting or of note in terms of 
either differences between markets, shifts in markets? What are some of the big takeaways that you are able to gain from the work that you're doing? Absolutely. It's been really interesting to look at how some of these markets play out very differently. So, you know, first of all, we're seeing a great deal of, of immediate penetration in some brands that have successfully tied their brand in with kind of the cannabis culture. And, you know, that's come up in in several key brands. Cookies has done this, you know, this very well in many markets and used that to, to help kind of springboard some of their success. We've also seen a great deal, you know, it's very interesting to look at in a lot of these MSO battleground states. When you look at the, you know, the landscape of the U.S., we have some states that are very fragmented, in which case, you know, you have those that have kind of the, the strongest cultural brand name that has um, been able to, to drive a great deal of success. Um, even some states like Oregon, where um, more independent brands are um, those that are the most successful and um, driving the most loyalty. Then you have these real battleground states where all of the MSOs are driving into. And we see a great deal of acquisitions happening um, in many of those markets and kind of the chains becoming larger and larger. And we see a great deal of brand awareness in those states, but the loyalty levels amongst consumers really varies quite considerably from MSO to MSO and you know from retailer to retailer. And that's really interesting to look at because you know, with the amount of spend that goes in to acquire new customers, it's really important to understand what's driving that loyalty and how to get those consumers to to come back, right? Especially as these markets, you know, typically are rolling out more licenses or, you know, may have um, additional dispensaries open up or more of the competition coming in. Um, so there's a great deal of variation there. And, you know, some of the brands are doing much better than others in terms of converting loyalty there. Yeah. What, uh, as you look at some of these new markets, you know, Michigan, you know, some of these ones that are, are kind of hitting the ground pretty fast. How do you take some of that information and apply it to places like New York, New Jersey, who are just kind of coming online? How, how well can you, I guess, extrapolate from kind of one market to given some fundamentals, look at another market and then I'd make the adjustments for the differences in some of the fundamentals and, and do some predictions around where some of these new markets are going to go. So really what you want to do is come into, you know, as you're looking at new markets as they open up, you want to think about what the closest proxy is for those markets in terms of those that are more mature um, and what we can learn from those and apply um, to new states. You know, New York is a very different market than, you know, than Michigan is, um, which is, you know, a closer approximation. You know, Michigan is kind of a, a closer approximation to what, you know, California has been, um, you know, uh, several years um, back um, in terms of kind of the level of fragmentation, a lot of the um, the smaller brands that are uh, populating the state, um, more licenses, things of that nature. So we see a bit more fragmentation within, you know, the Michigan market to date, but with New York, it's been very hyper consolidated okay. um, in the, the medical market. However, as it transitions into adult use, everything's going to explode a bit. (laughs) And um, especially with kind of a a very, in the backdrop of a very raging illicit market. Um, So what New York is going to want to do is take a look at what's happening in New York or in um, Illinois, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, which has been another large 
market that has been kind of an MSO battleground and has a lot of parallels there um, from more kind of limited medical markets opening up into, you know, adult use markets, um, some more of the social equity programs and things like that. Um, so there's a lot of lessons, I think, to learn from from a combination of Illinois of what what has been successful in driving brand loyalty amongst Illinois consumers, but then also really looking at places like California, where there is still a very raging illicit market and what brands can do to be, um, have done to be successful combating, um, you know, and fighting against that um, illicit market, um, because that's the environment that New York is going to open up into. Yeah, interesting. As you kind of see cannabis evolving, what are some of the other questions you think you're going to be asking, data you want to be collecting, like how, what are some of the future studies um, that you think you're going to be putting together and, and how do you think that's going to shape things? Cannabis is only going to continue to consolidate, continue to expand nationally and being able to really track, you know, and continue to track in more, you know, increasing depth, more about how these consumers are responding to key brands on a deeper and deeper level is, is really our goal there. You know, we leverage social listening a great deal of what, um, what we do and continuing to expand on those capabilities to become increasingly granular on the level of insight, clarity, and kind of qualitative insights that we're able to provide on those cannabis consumers and be able to, to feed back to brands as they're developing their marketing strategies, as they're really looking to understand um, and expand, you know, within national markets, you know, will be really important. The key, you know, the the challenge is with data, it's always important to keep your data Make your data as cross-comparable as possible, but also to be able to provide some level of flexibility to get into to get into a bit of the qualitative or get into the why. Um, yeah. So being able to provide that structure of kind of marrying that quantitative that a structure like brand health is you know excellent at providing, while also marrying that in with the qualitative from you know things like social listening you know allow for kind of that both sides of that coin and really that strong 360 degree view yeah bethany this has been a pleasure if people want to find out more about the work that you do about brightfield group uh, what's the best way to get that information please visit us at brightfieldgroup.com we have a um, great contact us um, page there and we'd be happy to um, share more insights um, we also have a great deal of resources available on our site, um, including some free reports um, and additional content um, for those that, that want to want to learn more. Excellent. I'll make sure all the information is in the show notes so people can get that. Bethany, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.